Please be seated, grab your Bibles, bring your Bibles. In fact, as I mentioned before, I'm starting this year, I'm reading through the English Standard Version. And I have a new Bible and all these pages stick together. So it'll get there, right? It'll, and the only thing that um, I did, I guess, on accident, which I do have good eyes, but it's an eight-point font. It is one of those, right? Uh, here's a little one. Though I can see it good, but um, I'm reading English Standard, challenging myself not to sometimes just read because I can read and remember the Scripture, but reading it differently. The only thing I don't like is the pronouns. I like it when God is mentioned as he that it's capitalized, right? I just, I like that part. I don't want to have to guess. I like reading that in there. So um, open up with me to, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and then Genesis chapter 17. Hebrews 12, 2, Genesis 17, and my title today is A New Name. I want to look at the promise to Abram and Sarai and that God changed their name because of a promise to Abraham and Sarah. I want to look at that today, but I want to open with Hebrews 12 to the verse that we will read as this year, as we stay focused on what God is saying to us. And it says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, looking to Jesus, the founder, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And I've been reading this verse right after it, Romans 15, 4. This reminds us when we read in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is not old. It's not done away with. It's not put away with. Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. We don't follow the ceremonial laws. In fact, Jesus took the Ten Commandments and he broke them into two. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, if you go through and you take the Ten Commandments and you take those two things, you're going to see that it's all in there as well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor. as you, Who's your neighbor? Anybody that you come across. Right? But the most challenging person that you're going to deal with in 2019 is you. Right? It's right here. Most challenging individual that needs work on every single day is you. But that's why we look to Jesus. So Romans chapter 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You know, we read those words. We don't like the word instruction. We don't like the word endurance, right? We like encouragement, but all of those are blended together. When we read these scriptures today out of Genesis, it's to instruct us. It's also to uh, in, see, let us see endurance in people that walk by faith, trusting God and what God said. And it was an encouragement as we see they had hope. We have the same hope. We have the same hope. But we have a hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And then Hebrews 11, 11 through 12, which gives a little bit uh, of the passage that we'll look at here in a minute. It says this, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised, therefore from one man and him as good as dead. That's terrible to say that about Abraham, right? It's because he couldn't have get as good as dead. I'd be terrible if that's said about you in the Bible. Ah, they were as good as dead. No, it says, we're born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of the sand of the seashore. So I wanted to mention this before we go on, just this quote. And we see this in Abram's life before he's Abraham. It's God's job to search and to find you. That's his job. But it's our job to follow him when he does. It's his job to search you out, call you out, talk to you, do those things. But now it's your job then to follow what he tells you to do. So we're going to see that early on. In fact, Kirk, I'm going to steal one of his things from his message last week. He used the word about Abraham in the scriptures. Go and then I'll show you. Go and then show. Go, Abram, leave everything and go. And then I'll show you. We like show me and then I'll go. Right? Show me first, Lord, and then, and then I'll get Show me a little bit and then I'll go. No, no, go and then I'll show you. And he went off, not knowing where he was going. I wouldn't want to go on vacation with somebody like that. Where are we going? We don't know. We're just going to drive and we don't know where we're going to go. Well, what do I need to pack? I don't know what you need to pack. Right? No, because we like the show before the go. This was the go and then show. You know, and I think of this promise that comes to them that the children and the descendants are going to come through them, which was shocking. Abraham is 75 years old. Uh, Abram, Sarai is 65 years old. And God says you're going to have a baby. Can you remember your grandparents calling you on the phone tonight and letting you know grandma's pregnant? <laughs> right? <laughs> grandma's pregnant? Put grandpa on the phone right now. You need to have a little talk with him. Right? In fact, Sarah doesn't have him. Sarah's 10 years younger. Abraham's about 100 years old when Isaac is finally born. She's 90, right? But God's going to do something. And that's why he said, hey, this guy's body was about dead. But I can take what was barren and I can give it life. Think of this. Out of all of the people that God could have chosen, he chooses Abraham and Sarai. If you go through Joshua chapter 24, verse 2 and 3, it mentions that Abraham's father, Terah, he worshipped the gods on the other side of the river. If you look at what gods he worshipped, it was really the moon and the stars, probably the sun. They worshipped other gods. There was no Jehovah that they worshipped. There was no background. We don't know what Abraham was brought up worshiping, but when he hears from God that God wants to do something with him, he's ready to go without ever knowing where he was going to go. He was going to follow that true boy. You know, can you imagine praying to the moon every night? Where are you tonight? There's half of you tonight. <laughs> I can't imagine that. 
you know, here you worship, there's no stars. Oh, it's a helicopter. Uh, let me find, you know, I can't imagine that that's what you were. But when he hears God's voice and it's a command, because God searched him out, he went. But when we read through about him, he made, and here's what's so good, this is the instruction, he made a lot of mistakes. Makes a lot of mistakes. Leave your family. That means Lot, right? Lot was trouble for him. I don't want to get too much into it, but Lot, he takes Lot with him. And, and Lot wants the choice part of the land because all of their people were fighting. Lot gets in trouble. Abraham takes 318. Isn't that funny? The name? You know, I need 318 guys. What, 320, 315, 318 to go and fight to save Lot. Lot's wife, remember in Sodom and Gomorrah, as they run, they're not to look back. She looks back and she's turned into a pillar of salt. You weren't supposed to take Lot. You were supposed to take your family, just your family and go. He goes down to Egypt because of a famine and tells his wife, okay, uh, if I don't say you're my sister, they're going to kill me. Right? So he lies. But here's what he says. You're so good looking. Right? That when they see you, they're going to want to take you. So, so it will be well for me. I'm going to lie. We don't need to lie or deceive to help God's plan come out. But that's why we read this. It's good for our instruction as we read all of these things that they do. Because every step that Abram and Sarai are taking, they're learning more about God. They're understanding his ways, his instructions, the different covenants. Here's what it shows us. Regardless of the missteps they take, God keeps speaking to them, getting them back on track. Tell your neighbor, God keeps speaking to you, get back on track. All right? Get back on track. Get back on track. Because he's got a direction for you. So in Genesis chapter 17, I want to read this. And this is where God changes uh, their name. Genesis chapter 17. And I want to read starting in verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old. How old is he? 99. Hasn't had the little kid yet, right? 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. That I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Has he had a child yet? No, not the one that God had in plan. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Cana for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, 
you and your offspring after you throughout the generations. And go down to verse 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abram fell on his face and he worshiped the Lord Almighty. Oh, it doesn't say that, did it? He fell on his face and he laughed. And he said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Now, Ishmael is the son from Hagar when Sarai said, I think maybe how God wants to work this out is he wants you to sleep with my maidservant and have a baby. And then that can maybe is the one that God says to do. You know, Abraham says, oh. Right, he's just kind of following along. Well, it's not Ishmael. In fact, God's making that very clear. This is not the one. But he says, God says, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So God begins to take Abram, and now call him Abraham. He takes Sarai and calls her Sarah. You know, you can legally go out and you can change your name. It'll probably cost you $1,500. But you could change your name. How many of you here really like your name? Raise your hand. I mean, right? How many of you would change your name if I gave you $1,500? <laughs> Some of you right away. Wow. Only if we get to pick your name for you. But... Names are very important to God because of the meaning behind it. So if you or I changed our name, how long do you think it would take for somebody to finally figure out our name correctly? So let's say I changed my name to Benjamin. How many times would you see me, would you call me Walter? And how many times would I have to correct you? I'm not Walter anymore. I'm Benjamin, right? Ben is okay to use. Benny is okay to use, but do not call me Walter anymore. That's not my name. How, how difficult would it be to change your name? How would it work in your household if you went home to tell your wife, oh, I want you to know, God talked to me today and he's changing your name. <laughs> how many wives are going to believe that? Right? What's the name? No, that's your old girlfriend from high school. You can't change my name to your old girlfriend from high school. But God didn't just change it to have a cute name. He changed it because there was a promise. You know, so I looked up. The number one boy's name in 2018 was Oliver. Right? Isn't that a cute name? Oliver. You know how we do as parents, too, that have kids? You always think through, if I name them this, what are the kids going to call them in the playground? Right? Ollie, Ollie. Oliver. The girl's number one name was so creative, too, was Olivia. Somebody had that rig, don't you think? We're going for the Oliver. Now, we know a little boy named Oliver. So I looked up my name. I was number 492 on the list, Walter. 
I mean, nobody does Walter anymore. And then I looked up a little bit more. I was number one at one time in 1892, right? <laughs> I have the number one name. Most people I come across, their great, 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 great grandpa is Walter. But names are significant. You know, when both of our kids, when we were having them, we took time to pray and to call them a certain name. My name means powerful warrior. Now, every time I come across, in fact, I prayed this week for a lady that is having a baby and she thinks they're having a boy. And I said, you know what's a really great name for a boy is the name Walter. And she did exactly what you just did, laughed, laughed at me, right? Laugh, laughed at me. Uh, my name is Powerful Warrior. Madison is Valiant Warrior. So when we came up with Maverick's name, um, which I had heard a little boy at a preschool get yelled at, Maverick, get back here. I thought, you know, that'll come in handy someday. Maverick, get back here. No. I looked up his name, meant trailblazer. And as we prayed, you know, it's one of those, because everybody would say, oh, why, are you into Top Gun that you want to do, you know, Maverick? Is his middle name going to be Goose? That's the, no, it means trailblazer. We pray to believe that in his generation he would need to be a trailblazer for the Lord. Right? So names are significant. And to God, this name wasn't just a cute name. It wasn't a name to make a number one list or a 492 list or somewhere in some other century. It was a name connected to a promise. If you read back a little bit in the last chapter, though, God already established a blood covenant with Abram, right? A covenant, but yet he goes deeper and he changes his name. You know, and I, and I thought about that. I thought, think about this. The very thing that Abraham did when God said this was he fell down and he laughed. Sarah later in the scriptures laughs. Because what God says seems to be so impossible. We're going to have nations through us? You know, Abraham, you're 100 years old. Right? I'm, I'm going to be 90. Yet God's very specific because God says you're going to have one. His name's going to be Isaac. And I, the more I thought about this, I, I thought of this. Every time now Abram now says his name Abraham or people call him Abraham... He's being reminded, probably on a daily basis, of the covenant that God has over him. Every time Sarai is called Sarah, she is remembering the promise. It's something that is being said and heard and said and heard probably multiple times a day because of God's promise. And you would have to explain that. Now, why? tell us why you changed your name. Because of an interaction that I had with God and what he's going to do through my life. God changes their name way before Isaac is ever born. It'd been different if Isaac was born and said, okay, now I want to change your name because you're going to be a father of a multitude and kings. And Sarah, you're going to be mother of a multitude and kings are going to come out of you. No, no, no. God always does it before. Remember the go and then show? God's back into that. I'm going to change your name before you ever have Isaac. And it's like God saying, do you believe this promise? Even at your age, even though it looks so impossible, do you believe it? And I want you to believe it so much, I want to change the very thing 
that is known about you, it's your name. Well, turn with me. I want to read another um, scripture here. Romans chapter 4. I won't spend long on it. Romans chapter 4. In the book of Romans, Paul will refer to Abraham often. And then lastly, we'll look where Jesus refers to him. Romans chapter 4. In fact, I want to pick this up in verse 13. It says this. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the inheritance of the law who are to be his heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and he guaranteed to all of his offsprings, not only to the inherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Let me stop there. You'll begin to see in Abraham that all of these different steps that he was taking and learning he became strong in faith about what God would do. In fact, we'll look again next week. Even to the point of where God says, you're going to sacrifice Isaac. You know, the promised one, the one we've been talking about. Yeah, you're, you're going to sacrifice his life. He was fully convinced, the scripture says, that God was powerful enough to raise Isaac from the dead. So in verse 21, it says, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Notice what it says. It wasn't just accounted to him. It wasn't written for his sake alone, but it was written for ours. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead. You know, we started the second scripture with Romans 15, 4. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have All along, Abraham now is following God. He's making mistakes. He's lying. He's 
doing different things he shouldn't do. He's having to deal with Lot, but all along it's being accounted to him for righteousness because he's following this God that he did not know. That said, go and I'll show you. Go and I'll multiply you. I'll make your name great. I'm going to give you, and I like when the scripture says, I'm going to give you this land as an everlasting covenant. You know what everlasting means? Everlasting, right? It's an ever, everlasting. It's not a 30-year deed, right? It's not a 99-year lease. It's an everlasting covenant. And at times, Abraham laughed. Sarah laughed. But I bet you when she was pregnant, this hope exploded again in her about what, was, what God was about to do. But his name was already named. It was Isaac. You know, God would change one of Isaac's sons, Jacob's name, to Israel. But it's always connected to a promise. You know, um, and as we do, we end with this couple of verses. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. You know, in John 8, there's this whole dialogue happening with religious leaders and people about Jesus, attributing what he's doing to Satan. In fact, Jesus says this in verse 56 through 59. He says, your father Abraham, that would have got their attention. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abram was, I am. Right? Wow, praise God, you are the Christ. You are the one, right? Great sermon. I love that analogy. I'll never forget that you said the I am, right? Is that what happens next? No. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Did Abraham see Jesus? Oh, I see him. Now here's what Abraham knew. One is he knew the word of God, to follow God's word. And that's why John writes in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was following the word. But I almost wonder, and this is kind of my translation, I almost wonder if Abraham understood the covenant enough that God was such a covenant God that at some point throughout this history, whenever he decided... He would redeem all of mankind because he, God uses that word everlasting. Because men's breath was shortened in that day. Jesus said, he saw my day and he rejoiced. That got him so upset. Here's what I think, because Abraham followed the word of God. What God said, he might have laughed. He might have lied. He might have brought Lot. He might have made mistakes, but he was going to follow out on the word. I can never go wrong on God's word. I can never go wrong on his promises. In fact, we're always told it's life to those that find him. Jesus is that word that we follow. And these were placed in this Bible for us to be instructed, to endure, and to be encouraged. I pray you're encouraged. Keep following him. 
when he says go, what do you do? Go, right? Don't show go, go. You know, I wish I could sit with everybody uh, and go through your entire life of what God said to you even as a young child. You know, Samuel in the Bible heard the voice of God. And many times we get too busy, we don't sit down and we don't remember that God has probably been promising things to our life our entire life. Many times we knew it, he'd been saying it, and maybe for a time you haven't heard it anymore. But he doesn't stop on his promises. He keeps coming back to Abraham and Sarah and reminding them of the promise, reminding them of the promise, telling them about a land, having a covenant with them, changing their names, following them. I mean, he just keeps going and going and going and going to remind them of his faithfulness. Can I remind you today of the faithfulness of your God? Would you take time and inventory your spiritual life about what God has said don't take that book and put it in the bookshelf and never look at it again. Get the book out, open it up, dust it off, and remember what he said over your life. Bow your heads, if you would, with me. Father, we come today receiving instruction and noticing that you would go as so far as to change a person's name. That they would remember the covenant promise that you had. Regardless of them walking out trying to figure it out with you. You were constantly speaking to them. Lord I pray in all of us that as we read this story today. That it's not just a story in the Bible. That it's over and it's in, but it's breathing life into us. We're receiving, receiving instruction and endurance. And we're encouraged today to go back to the things that you have said. Over our very life. You're looking for men and women. You're searching us out. And we're willing to go. As you show us, Father, in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, you've never called out his name, I want to give you that invite today. In fact, I would like all of us to pray this prayer together. Repeat this after me. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. And I believe that he lived and that he died for me, but he arose. I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name I pray. You prayed that prayer or even prayed to come back to the Lord. Please see me at the end of service. I want to pray with you. The most important thing that you can do in those first steps. Well, stand with me if you would. We're going to close with a song of worship before we're dismissed today. Look at your neighbor right now. Tell him, go, then show. All right? Or I'll change your name. No, I won't do that. All right. <laughs>